Hello, how are you? Welcome to The Drive Podcast. My name is Ted Henley. Touchscreens, hands-free calling, infotainment systems, modern vehicles have all kinds of distractions. On the podcast today, what you can do to keep your focus on the road. Also today, things you can do to help support the mental health of the student in your life as they head back to in-person class. And off the top of the podcast today, Alberta is calling how the province is trying to steal skilled workers from two of Canada's largest cities. We start today With something that I'm all for, the province of Alberta is putting the full court press on not one but two of Canada's three largest cities. Alberta's calling out people in Vancouver and Toronto now, trying to get talent in those cities to move here. Hey, Toronto. Life is too short for long commutes. I didn't realize that, you know, until I moved to Calgary a couple years ago. A shorter, faster ride to work is so liberating. It gives me so much more time to socialize, make friends, and pursue hobbies outside of work. There you go. Tired of a 90-minute commute each way in the city of Toronto? Then move here to Alberta. That is uh, one of the ads running on, well, the radios in Canada's largest city. And how about this one? Hey, Toronto. Thinking about moving out of Ontario? Why not consider Alberta? It has higher salaries, lower taxes, and a lower cost of living. I moved recently, and I feel I'm already getting ahead faster here than I would in other provinces. If you're thinking about moving, Alberta is definitely worth considering. It also has some of Canada's most stunning scenery. There you go. The campaign is called Alberta is Calling. And the website to check out is albertaiscalling.ca. And online, it touts provincial sales tax in Alberta being 0%. Average residential rent rates, only $1,266 a month. Zero cents per liter in provincial fuel tax in Alberta right now. Alberta is calling, goes on and on and on, pitching, hard sell, full court press, trying to attract talent in Vancouver and Toronto to move here. And the whole reason behind this campaign is because that talent is desperately needed. He's Premier, here's Premier Jason Kenney. According to the Business Council of Alberta, 78% of Alberta companies now say that the... Uh, that a labor shortage is hurting their ability to meet the, the demands of growth. So our message to the rest of Canada is this. Alberta wants you. Alberta needs you. Alberta is calling. And there are many reasons why you should answer the call. The facts, well, they speak for themselves. Alberta has the lowest taxes and the highest wages in Canada. And Albertans enjoy the highest after-tax incomes in that country. Alberta wants you and Alberta needs you. And one of the quickest growing sectors in our provincial economy right now is the tech sector. And the founder and CEO of Helsum is joining me this afternoon on The Drive. That person's name is Nick Beek. And Nick, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, Thanks for having me. Uh, This full court press being put on right now by the province, Nick, trying to get talent to come our way. how, How needed are these people? Yeah, I think it's great to see the province uh, kind of supporting our, our growing industry. You're definitely seeing the headlines with companies fighting for senior talent, and that being the biggest limiter to their growth is finding the right people to, to kind of fill in those seats. Um, I think for us, even for ourselves, uh, it's pretty recent phenomena, but 20% of our hires in the past quarters 
have been from either uh, Vancouver or Toronto or kind of those areas, which is something we hadn't seen before, which is really exciting. Yeah, 20%. That's uh, So this is a new thing for you then? It is. And I think before it was very much, you know, we were, we were hiring local Albertans and we still, that's still, you know, our overwhelming focus is to do so. But now we're seeing people moving to Calgary to kind of start a better life here. Okay. And, and, and is that how you're kind of um, putting, not only for the position that the, these people are applying for, but are, are you yourselves finding that you have to sell, you know, the city of Calgary and the province of Alberta? We do. I mean, I think it's it's easy to do. I think Calgary is a bit of a sweet spot of a city. I think it's in terms of, you know, one, one and a half million people, great secondary school, one of the youngest populations, uh, really high concentration of STEM talent, high quality of life. Like it, it, it looks really great, but I think people don't always necessarily consider it because it's not one of the major uh, cities and you just have to kind of give it a little bit. You don't need to do too much, just a little bit of a nudge, a little bit of a pitch, and people start kind of opening their eyes. I have to be honest with you, Nick. How, how attractive are the mountains when it comes to attracting employees? Yeah, I think it's, I think the mountains, I think, uh, you know, it, it's funny. I think coming from, you know, being from Calgary and being, having spent so much time here, you think of Banff and for us, we're so used to it, but it's still an international destination that people, people think about, people recognize. And I think just the quality of life in general that the mountains and the outdoors brings to our city. Yeah, no kidding. I'm chatting with Nick Beek this afternoon. Nick is the founder and CEO of Helsum, uh, talking about attracting talent away from Toronto and Vancouver, uh, specifically to the city of Calgary and the province of Alberta. We're focusing on the tech sector here, Nick. And, and, and how quickly have you seen things growing for Helsum? I think for our company, I mean, we 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 were uh, we grew 400% last year. We we finished the year at 80 staff. We're now almost 150, um, and we have lots of room for growth ahead. So we're definitely feeling that need for talent. Um, we're trying to hire another 30 people just this summer alone. So I think we're we're uh, hungry for more talent. I think some of it comes from people moving to our province, and then for us, we also put a big focus on hiring junior talent, so people straight out of school looking for opportunities. I still think there's not enough companies hiring juniors. There's a lot of focus on seniors, but we want to give those those young people an opportunity to start their career right here instead of leaving the province. Interesting point, Nick. Interesting point. Leads right into my next thought with respect to um, what else do you think that uh, the province can be focusing uh, better on when it comes to uh, you know creating that uh, the talent to fill the gaps? Do you, do you think? Do you think more can be done in encouraging people and encouraging the secondary institutions? to uh, kind of offer more and more tech sector types of, of education programs? I do. I think that I think there's some great partners already. I mean, we do a lot of recruitment out of state, for example. I think uh, fast-tracking programs, people think tech and they think software developers. And that's, that's, that's obviously a, a portion of the types of talent that we hire. But it's also in marketing. It's also in customer service and finance. There's so many roles that tech hires for. And we want to see the secondary um, it's, schools really kind of invest in that. And we're starting to see that. Another thing that we're big supporters of is the province has a Jobs uh, Now program that's about, you know, hiring people that are either switching industries or it's their first time looking for work. Um, they kind of give some subsidies in the first kind of year of hiring to kind of invest in those people. And we're taking advantage of those programs. And I think that's really great for the city. That, that, yeah, that, that does sound like it, it's always good when you hear of programs that actually jumpstart things. You know, it, it must feel good when you see investments kind of paying off from your perspective. So you can get those people to fill the roles that you need filled, right? Exactly. And I think part of the pitch, even when we're getting people to join a company like Helsum or join, you know, come to, to Alberta, and is that not only are you building 
something great in the company that we're building, but you're also building an industry. We're part of being, we're part of something new that's from the ground up, and that's an exciting thing to be part of. Yeah. So where do we go from here, Nick? Uh, in your opinion, as you know, the founder and head of, of you know, one of the biggest tech firms in the province, where, where do you think we need to go from here? I think that the, the, I think the conversation has changed a lot in the past two years from the local government. I think that they are really seeing that it can be oil and gas and tech and oil and gas and other industries. And I think tech is starting to become part of the, the conversation and not of the either or. And we're really supportive of that. And I think it's just continuing to put that spotlight on this, this growing industry. That's what we want to see. Okay. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for your time. I, I know how valuable your time is. I appreciate you squeezing us in this afternoon. Thank you so much for this. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Have a great evening. That's uh, that's Nick Beek, by the way, the founder and CEO of Helsum, one of the fastest growing, as you heard, 400% growth year over year, 400% growth year over year, Helsum in the city of Calgary, still looking to hire another 30 people by the end of this summer. That's that, that that's how in demand talent is for companies like this. And I came across an article recently talking about not only uh, the, the, you know, we need the we need the talent and, and the people in positions here, investment dollars have been flowing into Alberta's tech sector. Um, we've already apparently surpassed the 2021 level of investment, and we're just heading into the fourth quarter of this year. We still have another quarter to go. Like, that's how gangbusters this sector of the provincial economy is. And to get back to this Alberta is calling uh, campaign, this full-court press, I've nicknamed it, to use the sports euphemism, the basketball term, on two of Canada's uh, largest cities, Vancouver and Toronto, to get talent. If you go on to the government... The the website set up by the government of Alberta, albertaiscalling.ca, they tout the housing affordability, they tout the short commute times, they, they tout the low tax structure in this province, they tout, you know, toward how much disposable income is needed uh, for property in Alberta. Apparently, the cost of buying a home in Ontario in the city of Toronto, most of your income goes toward home ownership as much as 70% of your salary goes to, like, the roof over your head. That's steep. The website's very slick. Check it out. It's a really interesting program that the, the government has what's going on right now with respect to that. And as I mentioned, they're, they're targeting tech sector jobs. They're targeting healthcare positions. They're targeting uh, talent in skilled trades from Toronto and Vancouver and touting all of the benefits that Alberta has to offer, be it commute time, be it the mountains, be it be it the fact that uh, Calgary is ranked, you know, the most livable city in the entire country by The Economist magazine recently. All of these pluses directly marketed at people who are stuck in their cars during the commute, perhaps, on their way to and from work in Toronto and Vancouver, right? 90 minutes each way. We all know people in Vancouver. Three hours a day in the car or on the bus or on the Canada line, whatever it happens to be. Yeah, that is a lot of time. Time for Motoring Monday, where we dig into topics that affect you and your vehicle. Brian Turner joining us from driving.ca. Brian, thank you for being here. You're very welcome. Again, good afternoon. And good afternoon as well. Okay, so we're talking about distractions um, that automakers put into our vehicles. How, how bad is this in some vehicles, Brian? 
Well, you're on the way home right now. Take a look down at your dash and how many more buttons, icons, switches, and control screens do you have in front of you compared to, say, 20 years ago. And no, I'm not saying we should devolve to the dinosaur age of the automotive <laughs> era. But uh, those screens are getting bigger and bigger, and, it, and automakers are in a race to make your car exactly like your iPhone. It responds the same way. It has the same icons, can do the same things. But to what end? Like we're talking about, you know, occupying your attention, taking your mind off the task at hand, which is driving safely down the road amongst all those other thousands of commuters you've got around you. Um, And there's the problem. Um, And for people that think, well, I can do this, I can multitask, I'll give them this one challenge. Just after you hang up uh, a hands-free call while you're driving home today, after you do that, try to recollect the last three or four kilometers of your drive. What kind of traffic were you in? Did you see any pedestrians? Was there any sudden moves? You won't know because you won't remember. Wow. Yeah, you know what? When you put it like that, Brian, it's so true, you know? It's so true. And you probably won't even recognize the last three, four cars that you saw. You won't even know the color. Exactly. And it's nothing new. Uh, the first the real describable touchscreen in a mass-produced vehicle was, was back in the late 70s. I believe it was with Buick. And we've been on a, a crash race ever since to get bigger and better. We've got screens now that are the size of a legal sheet of paper. And, yes, you, can, you, you don't have to be touching them, but they're glaring at you all the time. And at night, that really reduces your night vision, the distance you can see effectively down the road. Uh, my advice to people with these things is, you know, once you get your climate control set, once you get your favorite radio tuned in, and it better be 770, <laughs> uh, just turn the screen off because they all have that one function, one button, turn the screen off, and that'll take a lot of the light distraction away from you. Um, the same trick I, I learned decades ago when I first started out as a taxi driver, of all things, at night, it really pays to keep your instrument panel lights down. Gives you better night vision, um, but I was told by my fellow taxi drivers it also keeps little old people from complaining about your speed. Because <laughs> they can't see the, <laughs> the speedometer. I get you, Brian. <laughs> exactly. You know, and we saw the meme today that made the most of me. Are, aren't we glad we're at our age where the things that we did when we were young couldn't have been captured on the internet because yep. it didn't exist. <laughs> so true, Brian. So true. Okay, so um, so automakers are kind of putting these large screens in our vehicles. Are some of them, uh, other than turning off the screens themselves, are they putting some safety mechanisms in? Like, are they recognizing this distraction level? Absolutely, because along with the increased number of screens and the and the increased functionality and infotainment, they're bringing collision mitigation systems. They're bringing automatic braking lane uh, keeping assist, uh, active features that will you know steer you down the straight and narrow no matter where your mind had to wander as you were trying to find that favorite playlist that you put in three <laughs> years ago. Um, but um, it, it, it you know, makes you wonder, wouldn't it be better just to leave, <laughs> leave us to the task at hand? Do we really need all those distractions while we're driving? When you're sharing a public road with other drivers, Really, 100% of your attention should be on that task and that task only. Yeah, no kidding, Brian. You, You hit it right on the head there, my friend. Good stuff. Thanks for this, Brian. Have a great evening.
And you too, safe, undistracted driving, everyone. <laughs> All right, Brian. Have a great night. Uh, that's Brian Turner from driving.ca. Uh, we pick his brain every Monday, Motoring Monday, uh, topics that affect you and your vehicle. Uh, anecdotally, I know um, my partner, her vehicle is, uh, well, mine's old. I have the clunker in the house. She drives the nice new one, and she has a beautiful touchscreen. But I know the touchscreen in our vehicle, like, for example, if you want to pair a new phone uh, for, say, you know, you want to play podcasts or you want to play music or that type of thing, uh, you have to be in park. So maybe automakers are starting to turn the corner here and starting to recognize just how distracting some of these things are. But, I mean, again, you just have to put that in park, but you can still fiddle with the fan and the AC and, and you know, go from 770 to Q107 or Country 105 and that type of thing. Uh, but And by the touchscreen and whatnot. It is distracting. It is. And it is bright at night. I like Brian's tip, turning that off and then only activating the screen again when you need it. That is good advice. For the student in your life as they head back to class. Mental health advice for back-to-school students is what we're focusing on right now. Doesn't matter the age, post-secondary, high school, junior high, elementary. A lot of kids feel stress as they go back to class. For some news you can use, for some tips on what you can do as the parent, as the adult figure in their lives... Uh, we're joined by Kathy Keogh this afternoon. Kathy is the Director of Counseling Initiatives uh, with the Calgary Counseling Centre. Kathy, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Uh, so off the top, Kathy, uh, it can be stressful. I think we need to acknowledge that, right? It can be stressful for, for all age students as they head back to class, right? I think absolutely it can be stressful for all age, not only students, but families and teachers and communities. It's normal when things are changing for there to be some stress. That's actually healthy. Okay. Uh, so, so let's focus on some of the, I guess, the, the general stressors before we get into specific age groups. So all students, that, that kind of changing environment, new teacher or instructor, how, how does that tend to affect people? Well, I think... Anything that's new affects different people in different ways. So we have to be really careful that we talk that one size doesn't fit all and that each person will do this in their own way and hopefully have space to do that. Um, I'd also just like to kind of normalize that worry is very normal and it's kind of part of self-protection and the way we want to be seen in the world. And when situations are uncertain, we get uncomfortable. Just like me planning to be a part of this interview this afternoon. <laughs> it was uncomfortable. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I, 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 get, I get that feeling too sometimes when I'm, I'm getting ready for interviews as well, right? Uh, so fair enough. Yeah. And, and that embracing the uncomfortableness, is that kind of a good step forward for people if they're feeling those feelings? It's really, really important for us to do that and to really understand that most of us want to feel safe and comfortable. Um, and that's how we try to organize ourselves. But in the, the world, just the way that it is, it's impossible. We can't predict with any certainty and never 100% what's going to be happening next. So there's ways and skills and strategies that we'll each need to develop to walk ourselves through it and to ask for support. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's dig into different age groups here. So we, we have um, some young people who may be starting college and university uh, in a couple of weeks from now. It, it could be in the city of Calgary. It could be on the other side of the country. Who knows? What types of things should um, either friends or parents or grandparents, uh, what types of things should we be kind of talking about with students of this age? 
Well, I think first is letting them know that we um, were there for them and that we want them to have that space to talk and that what they say is nothing that will ever be used against them because they have the right to change their mind and that it go back to worry is normal and what we want to attach to that are some other problem solving or coping skills and for many of us we do that socially we do that in connection with other people so it's really important that people understand that that's healthy Okay. And we do have a certain age group. I'm just thinking of possibly first year uh, university or college students who may have only known, you know, high school as an air quotes COVID type of setup high school. Are those kind of um, added stressors considering that we're going to have, you know, in-person classes, uh, you know, the plan is at least to have in-person classes throughout the entire year? difficult question because I think anytime anybody makes that kind of a shift to that kind of a different environment, it's going to be stressful. Hmm. It's it's who will I know? Um, will I be okay? Um, will I be successful? Am I going to fit in? Will I know where my classes are? How will I know people around me? Who's going to be there with me? Where will I go to eat? Which we find as we start to get flooded by a lot of questions, which are normal. The piece is to understand that we'll fill that in little by little as we go through the experience. So being able to break it down into smaller parts is really important for people stepping into these kind of big life-changing experiences. I see. Kind of the whole kind of it's it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? <laughs> Just yeah, day by day, right? <laughs> and especially in the beginning, it is day by day. And even part of planning for that group of people is to plan for you're going to have some sleepless nights. And that's okay. That for people when they're returning to work, when they're returning to school, or when they're going somewhere brand new and you add in, it could be a different city where you're really orienting yourself to so much in a new way that, you know, you can expect that your sleep will be interrupted a little bit. You might not have the same appetite. You're really on a heavy growth edge and that that will require other resources. Yeah, interesting. I should remind everyone, I'm chatting with Kathy Keogh this afternoon on The Drive. Kathy's the Director of Counseling Initiatives uh, with the Calgary Counseling Centre. We're talking about mental health advice uh, for students as they head back to school. Um, so, so how can I support a, a student of that age group, uh, Kathy? Is, is, should I be vulnerable myself, perhaps, and kind of share some of the uncomfortable times I've worked through? We know that that's a key. Okay. And that we, and it, again, we know that we all go through it. And it's really, really important that we're really careful that we don't catastrophize anything. Because when we go into new situations, that tends to be the draw about all the things we don't know versus what we do. So when we break that down, when we share, hopefully we'll move out of catastrophizing it and making it feel so big that we can't break it down into those steps and go back into the marathon. Because different, you know, when you watch somebody run a marathon, stamina is really important. Yeah, no kidding. That's a great comparison. Oh, okay, so if we go a little bit younger here, and I'm just thinking of kids who are perhaps transitioning from, uh, you know, elementary to junior high or from junior high to high school, is it the same type of approach for, you know, a parent or, or a grandparent when you're discussing these types of things? Absolutely. And, you know, we want, we want to talk in a way that's age appropriate. We want to model. We want people around us, especially young people, to be encouraged and to also demonstrate where we haven't done well or where we may even look at failing, but failing as an embrace for learning more. That it takes problem solving. It takes an opportunity to look at things as learning, 
empathy, being able to be kind and calm and respectful, um, to build relationships. When we can do that with others around us that we trust, that helps us build relationships with others and also recognize the qualities of those relationships. Because again, all those really, they're different and they take different skills and they'll support people in different ways or you have to learn when they're not so good either <laughs> true yeah we've all been through that haven't we for yeah. sure for sure and and kathy when it comes to um recognizing some signs that perhaps um you know our, our young student be it you know university college age or you know a tween or even elementary age what are some of the signs that that uh you know things are maybe not in a good place and you know talking with a professional like yourself is a logical good next step so in general as i said we need to be really cautious to sure. understand people do this in different ways but in general you're looking for things that start to become problematic after two or three weeks so that could be, um, depends on the age of the kids, but uh, behavioral indicators, if it's crying or a lot of anger or a lot of rage or the opposite, which can be withdrawing or isolating. Uh, sleep and appetite are two really important cues. Um, anxiousness, like I think about me preparing for this phone call, and I know what my signs are. Um, where my, my chest gets really, really, really tight and I start, my heart starts beating really fast and my pulse is, um, I can almost see it through my, through my little blood vessels. Those are some of the early signs for me that the next step is to figure out what's going to help me feel better. Yeah. Great advice, Kathy. As always, I always do appreciate your time discussing topics like this. Thank you so much. No problem. That's Kathy Keogh. She's the Director of Counseling Initiatives with the Calgary Counseling Centre. And if you want some advice kind of online support to kind of read at your leisure, uh, the mental mentalhealthcommission.ca, one word, mentalhealthcommission.ca, and search... Uh, either just search going back to school and there's all kinds of resources on there stuff that you can kind of work through with uh, the young learner in your life uh, just as they kind of deal with these stresses going back to class.